Okay, if you would, we are going to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 6 this morning. This is the fifth and the final week in a series on water baptism. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you declared, as we saw last week, that we're two or three or thirty or three thousand are gathered together as your church. You're there in the midst, and one thing that you do over and over through servants in the church is teach and preach. So help me be faithful to unfold the beauty of baptism, the beauty of Romans 6, that we, your saints, would be strengthened to walk and to run and to battle in joy to the glory of your name. Amen. So as I said, this is the fifth and final week on baptism. Over the previous four weeks, we've seen first those who are to be baptized are those who have come to a personal saving faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, we saw that baptism does not save a person. It, it does not create salvation or cause new birth. But baptism is that outward expression of a faith that has already come alive in the heart of the individual. And therefore, it's the outward sign of the inward faith. Thirdly, we saw that the sign of the new covenant, as opposed to the old covenant, is water baptism. And therefore, it is not to be given to babies or toddlers, or young children. Because it is only valid when a person has come to saving faith in Jesus and then expresses it outwardly through baptism. And fourthly, last week, we saw that baptism is the front door to the church of Jesus Christ on earth. It is to be given only to believers. And so finally this morning, what I want to do then is help us who will be baptized and who have been baptized, whether a year ago or 50 years ago, to help us see how that monumental moment of going under the water and coming back up as a believer in Jesus, that that is supposed to be preaching to our souls day by day until we die. And to see that, I want you to turn to Romans 6. Romans 6. I'm going to actually begin in verse 5. I mean chapter 5, verse 20. And read through chapter 6, verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, now the law came in in order to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, 
so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him, in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So notice what Paul says baptism pictures or portrays. Your death, your death in Jesus' death, and your new life in Jesus' resurrection. So, if any walk around saying, what's the big deal about water baptism? This passage shows you that if you understand what baptism portrays, then you really understand what happened to you when you became a Christian. Another way to say it is, look at your baptism. Look again at your baptism. It's an ongoing sermon that you are to preach to yourself and to feed upon for the rest of your days. Now, it's true that most of us came to faith and we were baptized when we didn't know very much, which is to be expected because most persons, when they're baptized, they're new believers and they don't know much. But we are expected also to learn. We're expected to grow more and more in the understanding of what our baptism signified. It's not just something that you did back then. 
like for me in January 1982, but baptism, your baptism, is an ongoing message that is to preach the gospel to your soul. Your baptism, we will see, is meant to constantly preach to you justification by faith alone. It is to preach to you God's sovereign call of new birth that brought you alive. And it is to preach to you your ongoing daily sanctification in this life. That's what baptism meant, and it's what it means. So, here we are in Romans 6. And notice that Paul assumes that all believers have been baptized. And he's hoping they know what it means in a way where he assumes you ought to know what this signifies in your life. And so when Paul is writing this, remember, he has never been to Rome at this point. He doesn't know any of the church in Rome other than missionaries that have gone there. But from the city, he hasn't met them, doesn't know them, and he just absolutely takes for granted that every believer in Jesus has been baptized. And he also takes for granted that because you've come to faith in Jesus and that you've been baptized, that you are to know that you cannot go on living the way you used to in unrepentant sin. Because if you do, that is a contradiction to your baptism. Look at verses 1 to 3 again. That's how he starts. What shall we say then? about this glorious gospel of free, unmerited, sovereign grace that saves us through faith alone. What shall we say about that? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase or abound? Answer, no. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Okay, just stop for a minute. So Paul treats this as basic. Christianity. Surely you know you can't go on living in unabated, unrepentant sin. You know this about your baptism at the beginning of your life, your Christian life, don't you? This is fundamental. It's elementary teaching of the Christian life, according to Paul. So let's look at it. First, Paul lets us know that baptism portrays, pictures our death in the death of Jesus Christ. Verses 3 and 4. Do you not know 
that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So listen to what he says to us Christians. We have died. When Christ, that human being 2,000 years ago, died, he died our death. In the context, that means two things. First, we're not the same person we once were. Oh, we, we're the same in the sense of you know who you are as opposed to another person outside of you. you. You are still the same center of consciousness. But something is drastically different about that part of you, of your existence. You're not the same person you once were. Because he goes on to let us know the old self died. We're not the same. That's the first thing it means. It also means that when we die with Christ, that means our future physical death, we're all dying in here. Our future physical death will not have the same meaning for us that it would have had if we were not in Christ. Verse 5 is clear on that. For if we have been united with Christ in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. In other words, because we are united with Christ, because we have died with Christ, in Christ, and in His death, because He died our death, therefore our future physical death will not be the horror that it would have been if we were not in Christ. As Paul declares in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the future, at the second coming, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's gone. Because Jesus died our death. Because Jesus nailed our guilt before God to the cross. And thus, though death is coming, the horror of it and the sting of it is gone for all who are united with Jesus. Now, look at verses 3 and 4. And notice the repetition of the word into. We were baptized into Christ. Verse 3. 
It was a baptism into death. Verse 4. And Paul's point is that baptism, it pictures our union with Christ. We have been united to Jesus spiritually in some mystical way so that His death historically becomes our death and His resurrection becomes even now, not just in the future, our new life. So the question is, how do you know that this has happened to you? Personally. And we have seen the answer over the last four weeks. The answer is because you believe in Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible. You believe in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, in other words, that miracle, that new life created in you called faith. I trust Him. It says to you, you cannot do anything to make yourself right with God and okay with God or to have a good future after you die with God. There's nothing you could possibly do. You are condemned because of justice of your sin. But God offers free pardon forever and ever if you would only believe if you would receive Him as your Savior. That's what the Gospel is to us. And Paul says it this way then. Here's his experience. Hear the, hear the word faith in here. And here, same apostle who wrote Romans 6 is writing Galatians 2.20. I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. He, he died with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. There it is. There's the union. Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, uh, in the flesh, in this world, I live by faith. 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 Trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. So in other words, Paul says, the I who died was the old, the unbelieving, rebellious I. And the eye who came to life was the new eye of faith, of trust. And the basis of all of this union with Christ, he says, is Christ lives in me. So, when Paul says back in Romans 6, verses 3 to 4, 
that we're baptized into Christ and we're baptized into Christ's death, it means that our baptism is expressing the reality of faith in which springs from our union with Jesus. And this is why God designed baptism to portray burial. It represents the death that we experience when we are united to Jesus. This is why we are immersed. That's what to be baptized means, to be submerged under the water. This is why we are immersed under the water. It is symbolic of burial. The old, unbelieving, rebellious I have been crucified with Christ. I've been baptized into His death. This is what your baptism means. And what it meant. Not only death, though, we read on, Paul says, baptism also pictures our newness of life right now in this world, though we're yet sinners. Look at verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him, by baptism into death. See the purpose clause now. Why? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk, means live now in this life in newness of life. So when one is baptized, they do not stay dead or under the water. They come up out of the water as Christ physically and bodily came to new resurrection life. After death in baptism comes new life. The old eye of unbelief and hardness of heart and rebellion died when I was united to Christ in His death. But at that very same moment, the old eye died. The new eye is given life. A new spiritual person, which means spiritual desires that they did not have, which is called faith. Love for Christ, for God the Father. You're just, your eyes are open and you're just amazed at the gospel. It's the greatest possible news and meaning for your existence and you're alive. Just for a moment, you know, hold in Romans 6, but I want to flip over to Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 12, because Paul says exactly this again in Colossians 2.12, where he writes, 
having been buried, there he goes again, having been buried with Christ in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him coming up out of the water through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. He says, your baptism portrays pictures. He says, he says check it out. There are eyewitnesses to the man Jesus, having been raised from the dead in teaching and talking and eating over a period of 40 days, He in humanity came back to life, not mere mortal life to die again, but immortality, and that was done by the Creator God. His power raised Him from the dead. And Paul says, do you see what your baptism means? It means you've been born again, right? By the same power that brought Jesus' dead body to immortality, by that same power, He brought you to life. He also raised us up through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. It happened through your faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And he calls that in Romans 6, our newness of life. It is that day by day, trusting in the promises of God in the gospel based upon his having raised Jesus from the dead. Are you baptized? For all of us here are baptized. We say, yes! I'm baptized. And What does that mean? It means I believe that. I've banked everything on the eyewitness accounts of His resurrection. I believe it in a way that is deeper and more solid than anything I know. That's what it means to be baptized. And if that reality, that baptism, pictures, and placards is not relevant, then nothing will be relevant to you. Oh, the precious gift of the ordinance of baptism that not the Protestant church Take it lightly. Notice there in verse 4. The meaning of baptism is that something profound has happened to us. So that we would, he says, quote, walk in newness of life. There it is. And then verses 5 and 6 explain how that newness happens. For, here's his explanation, if 
We have been... Oh, don't let these words fly over your head, Christian. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Watch. How come? We who are Christians, who have come to life, we know that our old self, the old anthropos, our old man, was killed, crucified with Christ. Watch. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Paul says that the meaning of our baptism is also about our daily fight against sin. And that's relevant. That's sanctification. Remember the context, verses 1 to 3. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may increase and abound? Absolutely not. How can you who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death for our sin? And so Paul's whole point here is that he wants to help us, the church, not to continue in unabated, unrepented sin, but to grow. Okay, how, Paul? By showing us that the meaning of baptism is that it points to our death in Christ and our rising to walk in newness of life. In verse 5, he explains how we're supposed to think of ourselves as buried with Christ and then raised with Christ through His resurrection unto newness of life. But here's the key line in verse 5. For, meaning here's the reason, for if you have been United with Him. All of Paul's talk in this chapter about our dying and rising with Christ, it's all owing to our being in union with Christ. If we can grasp what our baptism means, then we can grasp what being united to Jesus in this life means. Now just for a moment, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about our union with Christ and what it means. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, Paul writes, but by His doing... You are in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's huge. 
By His doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Who became, that is, Jesus became to us wisdom from God. And righteousness. And sanctification. And redemption. Why? Because of your union with Him. That's why. Because you are in Christ. It's by His doing, Paul says, God created the union. And there's nothing more important in all of existence than to be united to Christ. In this union, Paul says, Jesus becomes our wisdom from God. Now, look, in the context, he talks about the Greeks and philosophy and the wisdom of the world. His point is, you're going to be really smart and know how to plan your day. His point here is that because you're in Christ, do you see what happened? You have the wisdom from God, which is the light of the Gospel shining on your heart. You have ears to hear. You had eyes to see. Why didn't my best friend see it? They're not united to Christ. Why did you see it? Because it was His doing that united you to Christ. And you could not anymore help but see the Gospel for what it is and as beautiful to you. Because of your union with Jesus, He is your wisdom. God. But not only that, He's also our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. Everything that Christ Jesus is, He is for you if you are in Him. Paul says this just as powerfully and clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.21. This way. For our sake, he's talking to the believers, the church. For our sake, God made Him, Christ, to be sin. That is Him who knew no sin. And He did it. So that, and these are not throwaway words for Paul, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Don't miss that little preposition. In. In Him we might become the righteousness of God. This means that it's by our union with Christ that before God we become righteous in the same way that Jesus became sin. 
How did he become sin? What does that mean? The only human being ever without a sin nature and without any act internally or externally of sin at all. He was perfectly sinless and righteous. But that one is the one God Almighty put our sins to His account. He imputed our sin to Him and punished Him for our sin. So get it again. The only sinless one, God imputes our sin to Him and kills Him. We are only sinful. And God took the perfect righteous, holy life of that human being, the God-man, Jesus. We who are only sin, ungodly, and He imputed His life to our account. To whose account? Everybody who is in Christ. Our justification, our being, in other words, made right with God, forgiven of our sins, and viewed as perfectly righteous, just as He sees His eternal Son in His humanity, Jesus, is perfectly righteous. That's what it means to be justified. All of it is connected to and based upon our spiritual union with God. Christ. See, that's what Paul means by those wonderful words a few paragraphs later that we know so well, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for everybody in the world. It's not how he says it because it's not true. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing is more important than hearing God say to any of us personally through the Scripture by the Spirit, no condemnation. You are justified. You are righteous in your standing before me, though you are yet a sinner. If you've been awakened to that glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, to those precious words that they are, yeah, those are so good and tasty to my soul, then I encourage you, believer, through your baptism, cherish your union with Christ all the more. Do you not know this is what your baptism signifies? As Paul would say. So now let's make sure we see this. 
because it is right here in this Romans 6 passage, right, through this great magnum opus of Paul's theology. It is right here at this juncture in Romans where Paul is moving from the doctrine of justification, which has to do with something outside of you, how God views you. He's moving from the doctrine of justification to the doctrine of sanctification, which has to do with God's working in you. And he's using water baptism as the teaching tool. In other words, our union with Christ pictured in baptism is not only the key to understanding justification by faith alone, but also to understanding the daily battle and the daily walk with Christ in holiness called sanctification. It has to do with becoming a new kind of person who doesn't continue in the same unabated, unrepentant, sinning lifestyles. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2.10. Same thing he's saying in Romans 6. For we are His workmanship. No, 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 notice this. Don't miss it. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when He says that in Ephesians, He's not talking about justification there. He was right before that. Here He's talking about moral Transformation. He created us. What do you mean? Brought union with us to Christ. He created us in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. We're God's workmanship in Christ with a purpose for good works. That's sanctification. That's the walk of a repentant, faith-filled life. And then baptism, according to Paul, pictures that union with Christ that produces sanctification in life. We are dead to sin. We become united to Him in the likeness of His death. Verse 5, then he continues in verses 6 and 7. We know that our old self was killed, crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. So he says, our old man died. We have risen spiritually to walk in newness of life now. And one day, verse 5, we shall certainly be 
united with him in a resurrection like his. The old has passed away. The new has come. And our main purpose in life is to walk in newness of life. To say it this way, to be becoming in our experience what we already objectively are in Christ. This is the life of pursuing holiness, the life of sanctification, the life of repentance, the life of faith, the life of falling down and getting up seven times. You've been baptized, believer, because you came to rely upon Christ. And so, in the words of Paul, do you not know that this is what it means. So let me close by just saying, if you're in here and you believe in Jesus, you believe that He is the eternal God without beginning who became a human being and died for sin because it was imputed to Him. And God raised him bodily from the grave and he'll come back again someday. And all who want it just reaches out their hand called the hands of faith of the heart and you believe. If that is you and you believe that and you haven't been baptized, what in the world would hold you back from the proclamation of the waters of this glorious gospel in obedience of faith to Jesus? Secondly, for all of us who have been baptized, go on and believe the gospel. Believe what your baptism says happened to you and is happening in you. Who you are in Christ and who He is for you. Believe Him. Trust Him. Him, that your new life in Christ means, as Paul would say, go on and work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure in you. This is what it means to be a Christian. To live in the reality of what our baptism portrays in pictures. And so, I submit that one way as we walk through our lives and our prayer lives and our battle against sin and desperate need daily for spiritual strength as we're overcome by our flesh is to use your baptism as a tool for praying. And I want to end that way. I want to pray on behalf of us. So if you would close your eyes as we go to the Father. Oh, Holy Father, 
We call you that only because of Jesus who has made the way. Only because His Spirit has been poured out within ours crying, Abba, Daddy. And therefore we do come as your children boldly to you because in Him, in Christ, Father, we belong to you. Oh, Father, our trust and our hope, it is based, it is based on His death. His death for us. And somehow, by Your doing, our death in Him. Because of Christ, Father, we trust Your ongoing working in us, that which is pleasing in Your sight. Your ongoing working for us that we may walk in this world in newness of life. The same power and the same glory that You used to raise Your Son from the dead, You will use and continue to use to sanctify us. Oh, glorious Jesus, how we glory in what our baptism portrays. Your work, your death, your resurrection. But the real good news is it's not just that. Lord Jesus, it's that we unified in You. We were in You when You died. You came out of the grave and thus You brought us to life through new birth by the Spirit. And thus we are assured on that day we shall all be changed. All of Your people will be raised from the dead to eternal glory with you. Thank you for dying for my death. For giving new life to me today and tomorrow and the day after. To the glory of your holy, precious, good name. Amen.